Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Hello and welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. As always, I'm Lucy Dumas and as always, I'm just so excited that you have tuned in today and I have a special guest and um, you know I love to make new friends and she and I have 150 mutual friends so it was only a matter of time I think before we got to know each other. Um, before I tell you who this is, I'm thinking that some of you might not know my background or what I'm up to these days, if you haven't listened to my show a lot. Um, I've been a full-time professional photographer for 40 years, since 1982, and so my anniversary is coming up in February uh, for 40 years, and I specialized in weddings for 12, and then portraits, especially of babies and kids and newborns that blossomed into more outdoor family portraits. And then for the last seven years or so, I've also been coaching and having groups and education. And then this podcast that I think we're on episode like 135. So anyway, just thought about that you might not know that. And also if there's any opportunities where someone you know or your group is looking for a teacher or a, a competition judge, I would love to be considered. All right, so I'm excited. Let me introduce you to today's guest. Kira Derryberry is a Tallahassee photographer and she's focused on family and commercial portraits. She has spent the last 11 years creating beautiful portraits all over the Southeast, as well as educating photographers all across the country. She is a proud member of the Professional Photographers of America, as am I, and has earned her Master Photography, Master Craftsman, and CPP degrees. She's an approved judge, so if y'all need a judge, she is your gal. And as of March 2021, she's treasurer for PPA Board of Directors. She's also co-host of a great podcast called get your shoot together <laughs> alongside fellow photographer, uh, friend of my podcast and her friend, Mary Fisk Taylor. When she's not slinging a camera or volunteering, she is a wife and a mom and loves karaoke jams and bad science fiction. <laughs> Welcome, Carrie. I'm so excited. To... Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I love um, when I, so Mary is who referred you to me, I believe. Yeah. And when I looked at our mutual friends, I'm like, oh, we have a whole bunch and about 40 of them have already been on the show. So about time. <laughs> yeah, it's about time we got to know each other, huh? Yeah. So what's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Ah, that's a <laughs> good one. 
<laughs> I've started doing Alanis Morissette, You Ought to Know. Oh, that's intense. That's a good one. <laughs> and then maybe a little Janis Joplin, something like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm here for that. That's great. Yeah. I love I, I love that you're that you even have go-to jams. A lot of people are just like, oh no, not me. Yeah. I, no, I, lo- I love to sing. So oh fun, me too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh just briefly, how did you get into this business? Business. Ooh, the business. Um, yeah, so. Uh, I, I was lucky and had a photography program in my, in my high school. So I got really got into photography Ah. and and kind of wanted to be a photographer um, since I was about 15 and, uh, you know, studied it then. And I went to university of Alabama and majored in art and and with a focus in photography. And then I got out of school and didn't, and realized I (laughs) realized I had this like art degree and, and I knew all about darkroom photography and, and I had a great take wonderful pictures, but not actually how to make any money at doing it. It's funny. They don't teach you that in art school. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, um, so I was also um, uh, working for university of Alabama as a, as a web designer. And uh, I found, I found work in Tallahassee um, when we moved here uh, at an advertising agency. So I was a web designer for about five years and then um, uh, the the housing market uh, crashed, right? And mm-hmm. everybody was starting to get laid off and go to part time. And um, that's about the time that I thought, you know, this is what I wanted to do when I grew up, and I'm not doing it. And here's an opportunity to switch careers, and uh, and that's what I did. So oh. I've been doing it ever since. I love it. And when was that? How long ago? Uh, so I think I'm in my 12th year in business oh, now. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, about 12 That's years a nice ago. sweet spot uh, where if all's going well, you know, you, you're like, yeah, you got, you got a automated. system going. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. That uh, sweet moment. <laughs> my 12th year though, I was starting over with the portraits and the kids because I'd hit that burnout. Oh yeah. With weddings yeah. where it just was like groundhog's day and and oh, it took man. me two days to recover physically instead of one after the day. So yeah. you, you know what's funny about that is um I've only shot four weddings in my career. And maybe one of the reasons that I didn't get in, you know, didn't immediately try to pursue photography um as a career when I got out of school was because I shot one wedding and I hated it. Like mm. I hated it. And I was like, oh man, if I guess. I guess I can't do this professionally if I don't want to shoot weddings. And I had no idea that you could specialize, you know? And, um, and so I really, I just sort of put it off. Cause I, I mean, it was just not my, it was definitely not my bag. I like, I like to have more time with people and get to know them and, and, you know, spend, spend time, like not stressful time with them. Right. Right. <laughs> and I loved it uh, because first of all, I've always been a wedding junkie. My dad was a pastor Mm-hmm. And the one wealthy person in our church when I was growing up had the most dazzling wedding when I was like five years old. And it, it like, I can see it right now, the church and the candles and the bride. And so I, I love that. I would watch cartoon weddings and cry. Yeah. Um, and because I used to be kind of an adrenaline junkie, instead of jumping out of planes, I... <laughs> did wedding photography which wow my you know you know mad respect for wedding photographers out there I mean it is a warrior skill I mean you get out there you're in the trenches and yeah you've got to you've got to shoot with what you are given and you have very little control often over 
offer the environment. And, um, and I have so much respect for those type of photographers. <laughs> yes. I, I watched, um, the movie saving private Ryan. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And there's a point where they know there's going to be a battle and they're yeah. getting everything ready and they're communicating with each other. When I go here, you go here, making sure the ammo and everything is right there. And I'm like, and, and you can feel that tension. And I'm like, oh, that's a very familiar activity. <laughs> you related. You could relate. <laughs> no one dies, but it feels like it. It feels like, <laughs> feels like that could. you may. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's I, definitely I've, not for me. No, <laughs> I can't do it. no, but yeah, it is a wonderful way to make a living if, if it is the right one. So what did you then specialize in when you, so like, fam- ah. family photography, that was definitely, you know, the, the entry point for me. And I spent some, some, and, I, and that's never gone away. I've done that my entire career, mm-hmm. um, refined it significantly since, since the beginning, of course, but, um, uh, I also did a little bit of boudoir photography um, for a little while. I had a little side brand and, uh, and glamour, you know, so I did a little bit of all those things, um, just n- pretty much anything but weddings or event photography, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then I started specializing in commercial as well. And that that's really stuck. Ah. So who are your biggest influences or mentors in that area or either one? Well, Gosh, well, of course, in the family photography world, as far as like business mentors go, uh, Gregory and Lisa Daniel are obviously heavy, heavy uh, influences um, for me. And as well as my podcast partner, Mary Fist Taylor, I just podcasting with her for the last several years has, I don't know, I mean, it's just been eye opening, you know, to be able to talk every week with somebody who has um, established um such a well-oiled machine in her, um, her fine art photography business is, um, is breathtaking. I'm also a huge fan of Alison Tyler Jones. And I think that's sometimes evident in my work (laughs) as far as as my studio work goes. Um, so, uh, so I have a lot of, a lot of things. And then, you know, as far as just, um, you know, portrait heroes, I mean, since I was very young, um, Mark Seliger, um, who uh, does a lot of work for Vanity Fair and Rolling Stone. He was a very, I mean, he's still very, very big photographer uh, with celebrities, but he did a lot of work heavily in the 90s. So if uh, I highly encourage, there's a, there's a hardcover coffee table book um, that he made in the 90s. And I remember sell, saving, you know, $85 or whatever it cost up to buy this book. Um, but it's called Physiognomy. Mm. And, on, and on the cover of it is Jerry Seinfeld dressed as the Tin Man. Um, and it's just a wonderful book of, of, uh, character portraits. And, uh, it's, it's really what made me want to become a photographer in the first place. Oh, wow. Uh, was that, so yeah, if you, if, I'm sure it's very cheap on Amazon now. It's very, old yeah. now. <laughs> what's his name again? Mark Seliger, Mark Seliger, S E L I G E R, uh, big time celebrity portrait photographer. He uh. still does those vanity fair portraits, um, after the Oscars. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a, a huge influence on my work. I couldn't say on my business, but certainly right. But on your on work. my inspiration, yeah, now, on my work for sure. So before we talk about some of the, I always ask my guests in advance what their zone of genius is. <laughs> she was like, genius? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> before we jump into kind of the the that genius that I had her finally be able to say, well, yeah, I know a lot about this. Um, I was enjoying looking at your photography 
And I noticed that you're doing this modern family portrait style a lot. Mm-hmm. And can you define that? I mean, yes, outdoor photography, we could call that modern family portraiture, but there's a certain style, there's a certain feeling, there's a certain background selection, things like that, that I've noticed uh, there's like a, a, a contemporary feel mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. that, so anyway, can you share sure. like, what you think modern, uh, tell me about yeah. that. So to me, you know, at least my take on modern family portraiture would be minimalism. Um, you know, uh, very, very much less is more, um, probably about five years ago. Now I, I refined everything in my studio so that I was only working with, uh, 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 black charcoal, medium gray and white as far as, uh, my scenes. Okay. And so in the studio, you'll notice that if it's work that's been done in, in, you know, recent years, um, that I lean pretty heavily into sort of a monochromatic grayscale. Um, And then I let the families or the people in the portraits um, really speak to the portraiture. So I try and get some personality out of them. I try and pull, I try and pose in a traditional way and then break the pose, Mm. you know, so get them, get them where they're lined up in a, in a pleasing, you know, traditional portrait style and, and try and get that shot and then let them break out of it. Let them move a little more comfortably, let them laugh, let them talk to each other and just let them sort of get comfortable Mm -hmm. as best as I can. And, um, and I find that that style that sort of straddles traditional posing, um, and candid, um, for me Mm -hmm. is that modern style. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've noticed you have a a kind of quality of light ordinarily we don't talk about f-stops and lighting and such, but I've, I've got you on my call. So, uh, what, what's your basic go-to life, life, light setup? Sure. Yeah. No, I love talking about light. I feel like I don't get to talk about it enough. Let's go for it. So, so good. No, I love that. Um, so I, um, I, in the studio, so I'm a goat, I'm shooting with Godox lighting. Um, and, uh, I, again, less is more. Um, so I typically shoot with, uh, one, two, three lights. Um, so you'll often see, uh, my family portraiture work. I might use a very large umbrella, um, uh, you know, parabolic, um, with a diffusion. So like a 72 inch is kind of my go-to for families to kind of mm-hmm. get a, the idea behind that is to get directional light. Um, that is not too punchy, um, you know, uh, but gives me enough contrast across the board so I can really make, you know, some black and whites pop and have, have nice light across the whole party. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, uh, I'm often using like a 47 inch Octabox. So, you know, large, large light modifiers are kind of my go-to, mm-hmm. um, occasionally for some of my commercial work, when we're really trying to get a lot of punch, um, you know, I'll use a beauty dish. Um, I'll use, uh, you know, my three light setup for, so those like hard kicker lights, um, to sort of illuminate the edges of people for, if we're going for that, if that's what the client needs, you know, but typically mm-hmm. in my family work, um, I'm doing soft shadows, soft lighting, um, you know, some stuff that sort of re- resembles window light. Got it. Yeah. That's the feeling mm-hmm. that I get from that. Um, are there some clothing recommendations that go with this modern 
minimalist style so, that you pass on to your clients? I think um, I encourage texture um, over color. You know, I, oh. I have like a, I have like a PDF that I'll send out that has like, that tries to help them with color palettes. Um, but I encourage rather than when I say texture, I mean, um, you know, if it's fall, you know, cable knit sweaters and denim and mm -hmm. tweed jackets and, and sweaters with a lot of, of nice texture on them, uh, versus like pattern, you mm -hmm. know, um, floral patterns, which is very popular with, you know, my high school seniors and things like that right now, uh, shy away from floral patterns. We try and stick with like solids and then throw in texture as best we can laces, leathers, even, um, um, you know, any, anything that I can do to kind of I love it. Velvet texture. linen. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I have never thought of that before. I, cause I'm all about coordinating the colors. No, no prints or stripes. Yeah. Uh, long sleeves to... are more flattering, but going with that yummy potential texture. As, well, because the lighting, well, I mean, especially, and, and, you know, I, I tend to lean a lot towards black and white. Um, if the client will, will have it, you know, if they're really into mm -hmm. that too, especially on my high key setups. Um, so if, you know, in black and white on a high key background, those textures really, really pop. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I'll allow the occasional very soft pattern, you know, if there's a soft stripe in a jacket or a, you know, a soft print that's not too, too busy or too overwhelming, as long as not everybody in the group is wearing it, you know, mm -hmm. a fun sock, you know, a stripy sock, like that's mm -hmm. all, that's always okay. You know, um, but, but overall I do encourage solids as long as not everybody is all wearing white, you know, like the, mm -hmm. the white matching shirt across the board, we try, mm -hmm. try and discourage that. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> discourage it in a pinch compared to what could happen you know, with some families, I'm just like, okay, just tell your family, you know, if this is a big one, ready or white and then, or whites or beiges or just to simplify, but um, yeah, I love that thought about texture. Mm -hmm. um, any other, now when you do a modern family session, are mm -hmm. you doing lots of different combinations? Are you? Typically you know, I go for you know, one, I have a consultation with the client ahead of time so we can figure out what it is they want to do. You know, that's kind of my number one question at the consultation is what do you, what do we want to do with these? And they'll go, well, you know, I want, I want digital files or whatever. Oh, of course, of course you want digital files. We can, we can make sure that, you know, those are available to you, but what are, where are we going to put this? What are we trying to get out of this and trying to kind of coach them into thinking bigger than, um, oh, I want to post these on Facebook. Right. You know, so if you're going to make an investment in the, in the family session here, we're trying to create um, something for their home. So if they say, you know, I just really want it. I don't, I'm not less interested about a big family portrait. I want the kids. I really want the kids. You know, I want to get a nice photo of them. Well, then I focus less during the session. I, you know, I'll try and get a nice family portrait for them, but I'll focus more on combinations for the kids that are going to fit whatever it is we've tried to design ahead of time. Mm -hmm for them. Um, and, and I know that this is not something that is unique to me. I know that there's a lot of family photographers that operate this way, especially my mentors that I mentioned earlier. Um, but, uh, I'll try and get them to focus on that so that I can know when I'm done at the shoot, huh. you know what I mean? Like, you know, if we didn't, if they want to get a family portrait for over the fireplace, I might try three different combinations right. um, of the pose or of different poses for the family, just to really make sure we got it. We really nailed it. Um, 
But if they're really going, you know, I'm going to do a book. I, I really like, you know, I have several clients that do albums um, every year with me. And so then I know I'm going to go through the spectrum of we're going to get individuals of the kids, a photo of the kids together, a family portrait, at least one to two. And I kind of just operate on that level mm-hmm. based on what it is I know we're going to make. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. I, I take a little bit different approach. Um, well, so I find out what what's the main goals mm-hmm. so that I know, let's say there's little kids and there's lots of meltdowns. Sure. I make sure that I've gotten the most important two things. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. First. But I haven't found that my clients, if I ask what they want, know what they want. Mm-hmm. unless I'm planting those seeds and, you know, having oh, seed planting is heavily planting seeds yes, when, yeah. we're, when we're in the consult heavily. And, you know, so I have them come into the studio and we look around and I'll go, well, let me take you through some of my products. And, and I, and I try it, you know, just like I'm pretty minimalist in the family session. I also try and keep my product line fairly minimalist so that it's mm-hmm. not too overwhelming. Right. You know, I have three major good, better, best systems. Again, that's something you know, Gregory and Lisa shared with me a long time ago, that good, better, best system. I know Mary also shares it with, with, uh, has shared it with me before too. And, um, and I try and show them what's available to them in the studio and get them thinking about that ahead of time. Right. And I steer that conversation pretty heavily there. So it's a lot of seed planting. And if at the end of the, of the conversation, they're just like, you know what? I don't, I just, I, we haven't had family photos done in so long. I just want to get these done. And I'm going to think about what I want for the wall. Well, then I'll cover my basis more, but for sure. Like, you know, I completely agree with you. If you've got, especially toddlers and you know that we've got to get a great family portrait, we go first. (laughs) Let's get that done first and foremost before everybody falls apart. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you clarifying that because I encounter in my coaching a lot of people that when they start out, they ask a client what they want and Mm -hmm then they don't then uh, cultivate more desire than they come in with initially. So what I hear is you ask them, but also you, you build, you build that desire. You help them understand more possibilities and the value, uh, not just the day they receive them, but I'm guessing you also help them understand how much these are going to mean to them and their families. Absolutely. I mean, you know, um, I, I always share a story about my, my mom, um, put she, my whole house was covered in portraits of me and my brother. <laughs> so I grew up, I grew up in a photography heavy home, um, where, you know, we felt very loved and supported to the point where my friends would be like, God, your mom is obsessed with you guys, <laughs> you know, but to me, um, you know, and I do the same thing in our home. We have, we have only the one daughter, but our house is covered in pictures of her. And, um, and I like to share those, those little anecdotes with my clients as well, but I'll, I'll also add, um, cause you made me think of it. Um, you know, it's not just in the consult that we are helping the client towards, the end goal. I mean, we'll be in a session. I, I shoot tethered in the studio for all of my sessions. Mm. Um, and so there are, there will be images being displayed on a large TV as we go, you know, and it's mm. kind of become part of the fun. And I know, I know a lot of people are like, Ooh, I don't want them to see what we're doing right away. Um, well, shooting tethered has so many advantages. One, you're going to see, you have a much better idea of what's coming out of your camera as far as lighting. So if you need to take a test shot and see a quick adjustment, you can make that adjustment very early. And as long as everything is being lit and controlled, 
everything is looking really good at a camera. I mean, it's all but the, the retouching, you know, the skin retouching at that point. Mm -hmm. um, so, but there'll be an image that comes up on the screen as we're shooting and I'll turn and I'll go, oh, there it is. That's, that's the one, that's the, that's the <laughs> one, that's the one that we're going to put on the wall. That's the one we're going to put over the fireplace and they'll go, oh my God, I love it. Go, okay, go ahead and flag it. So I we'll go it. ahead and flag it, you know? So, um, you know, you're always selling, um, even when you don't really think you are, but I, I've, I have found that adding that tethering element one, it, it helps me kind of point things out. So to keep mm -hmm. reiterating that, you know, this is going to be great for that thing we talked about. Um, but two, it also builds a confidence with the client. I, I don't, I'm sure you've experienced this where you get done with a session and the client leaves and they're just like, I don't know if you got anything that was chaos. That was crazy. Yeah. There's a confidence level that happens when they can see that I got it. Right. You know, um, and then well, they begin to relax. And I can imagine, um, <laughs> cause I've been at those photo booths, you know, where, mm -hmm. where a bunch of it, at PPA conventions and other things and where you get to see, like, it just keeps click, click, clicking. Mm -hmm. And, and it kind of inspires you to do more and let's think of something else and let's do something else. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing shooting tethered, it helps them kind of uh, be collaborative with you about a little bit, or they might even say, you know what? Oh my gosh, I love that. But my hair, I didn't realize my hair was doing that thing. And it's something I didn't even notice, you know, right. I mean? and then they can, they can fix it. But I think it also helps people with overshooting, you know, ah. um, because there's a tendency, especially with working with kids to, you know, I think some photographers just fire away kind of going, okay, well, the kid's moving so much. And I, you know, but if you're shooting stabilized, you know, like on a tripod mm -hmm. and you're, you're in studio and, you know, you've got, got at least one or two shots of the kids making the faces they need to make. I mean, there's so much quick opportunity for a head swap. So they go, Oh my gosh, like, uh, you know, Timmy has just made a face and every, has he smiled in any photo? And I go, yep, he smiled in a photo earlier and I'm just going to swap his head on. And they just think that's the craziest thing ever, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, but it calms them down and it stops you from trying to continue shooting, you know, until you get Timmy to cooperate while everybody else is cooperating. Right. Yeah. Well, and especially I can see in studio where you've got everything is set, you've got the lights, you've got the background, mm -hmm. got your tripod being tethered, uh, like you couldn't be tethered doing outdoor portraits, <laughs> but not I conveniently, can, no, <laughs> there's and, ways, but not and convenient. also outdoors, my lighting is always, always changing different. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't like people to like necessarily see before yeah, editing, and I, but in studio this is definitely i have i have worked a system out here that it's i have become known for my studio work mm -hmm. and i will go on location happily for for the right client um but honestly i i i will do everything i can to convince them to come to the studio because that's the kind of work that i'm most proud of that i do mm -hmm. and that i've become known for here um, and, uh, so I'll do in-home shoots or location shoots, but they are few and far between, honestly, to the amount of, of this sort of modern studio work that I've been doing, um, mm -hmm. that's really taken off. It, it, um, has me thinking about a conversation I had recently with a photographer friend and people searching for their style or their mm -hmm. editing style or something. Mm -hmm. And, and my thought that I'd not put together completely was basically my style is to produce good photographs. 
And Mm -hmm. whether I'm doing them indoors or in studio or someone's home, if I'm doing dark and moody, or if I'm doing light and airy, or I, I like good, rich, true color, primarily people, if they like us and they like our work, that the, they, okay. They'll come to you. To, the, yeah. They come to you because they like you, your branding, whatever has drawn them to you has attracted them. And then they like what they're seeing and then they're trusting you. And if you're advising, Hey, you know, indoors, beautiful, then boom, you have a great client that, that our success is not based on, uh, what, um, what's the word um when you click on something and it does it for you oh like an automatic presets yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it Mm -hmm. people people just want to look good they want the quality and they want you if you've done your job well to inspire them to be excited working with you well right because because let's not forget that this is a commodity-based industry you know most everybody needs some kind of photography of some kind you know and um there's tons of us out there which is great which is great there should be tons of us photographers out there so cultivating a brand where the client is coming to you for photography but coming to to you for photography because they want your your work Mm -hmm. is is ultimately i think a goal that everybody should sort of strive for you you also made me think of another um if I, if you, a style anecdote, just to carry on your style conversation that you were having. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, you know, a long, t- a long time ago, probably when I just got started in the, in the industry professionally, I was like a sponge. I was like constantly watching tutorials and, and seeing, oh, I like, I like what that looks like. Let me, I want to try and make that. And, oh, I like what that looks like. Let me try and let me try and and analyze the lighting and, and do that. So it was just a really big learning time for me, mm-hmm. especially with, with studio lights. And I remember um, I was speaking with um, the uh, boudoir photographer, Jen Rosenbaum, who you may have heard of, mm-hmm. um, wonderful boudoir photographer out of, I believe, New Jersey. Um, and she, I was sharing with her some of my work. And again, this was a million years ago, sharing with her some of my work. And uh, I was, and she goes, you know, you're, you're really good at everything that you've put, you've shown me is really good. Um, but I can't, it, it looks like somebody else shot them. Like if I put them all together, it just doesn't look like the same photographer did them. And, oh. and, and I, and I, at the time I was like, Oh my God, you're right. You're right. You know? And I mean, I, she's still right because I was trying out so many different things and trying to find desperately seek, you know, what is my style? What is my look? What is my thing that people come to me for? And it was like in that moment that I stopped worrying about that so much, you know, mm-hmm. and I attributed that time to, you know, imitating art that I enjoyed, um, to, to learning. And, and I stopped focusing on what my style was going to be. And then one day my style was just there. I just started mm-hmm. doing more of what I enjoyed and shooting more consistently the same way. And, and then my style sort of emerged, you know, and it just happened. So, so do you think that that is a natural part of the progression as a photographer from uh, a dream and an interest to that place where you know who you are and what you love to do? Do you think everybody, like it's natural to to try all those things? I think so. I mean, you know, when you first start 
when you first start learning lighting and posing and I mean, who hasn't gone and looked at uh, some favorite photographs for, or a favorite photographer before? I mean, I certainly did it a lot with, you know, when I was a kid um, looking at those Mark Seliger images, you know, like trying to figure out how to, how to light that way or how to pose that way or how to get that sort of feeling or that sort of uh, color grading or that sort of, you know, editing or black and white style. I mean, you know, I think to imitate art is, is to learn, you mm -hmm. know, and I don't think that there's, I don't think that there's a lot out there that hasn't already been done, you know, right. so, you know, we can, we can be unique, but you have to always know, and I guess we have to let our egos know this, you know, that every, <laughs> everything's been done before, right? you know, and all we can do is refine what it is we enjoy and a style that we enjoy and then try to get really, really good and focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I found, so my big aha change, like what you just expressed when I went from weddings to children's portraits, high key photography uh, was the thing that was considered higher end. It was before mm -hmm. the mall stores started doing the white mm -hmm backgrounds they were still doing what at the time were like felt like old-fashioned painted backgrounds which mm -hmm. I actually love now I love those too um and I did not enjoy doing high-key photography I I it's it's hard to get light and shadow in the face especially when you're chasing kids around I used um basically I used a light modifier called a starfish do you know what that is yeah I've heard of that mm-hmm and because it throws light really evenly. And when you're chasing a kid side to side on a background, you know, you can't have it be refined. And then I did a few, I think I bought a painted background or maybe it was a muslin. Cause that was like the next thing that the next big thing. And I turned it black and white and everything was very simple rather than a bunch of props. Mm -hmm. And and I just loved it so much. And then there was, that was like an aha, like, <laughs> like, um, uh, in gone with the wind as God is my witness. I'm not going to do high key on a regular <laughs> basis ever again. <laughs> and because then I was doing what felt so good to me, then I was selling it for more. I was, I was creating more beautiful images. Clients were investing well, they were buying more. So it was finding that place where I felt like, like in my groove, I just mm -hmm. realized in your groove is actually like, can be like a, a group in yeah. something. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Cause well, I think, you, you know, you sell ahead. what you're passionate about, you know, so. Right. right. And I also spend a lot of time. Um, I love going to art museums and I think some of my style was developed from seeing the photographs. I mean, the paintings mm -hmm, absolutely. over decades before I even knew I wanted to grow up to be a photographer going to, uh, there's a beautiful museum gallery property called the Huntington library in mm -hmm. Pasadena, California. And there's just the most beautiful paintings and John Singer Sargent's and, Oh, I love John Singer Sargent. And, um, yeah, so everything I'm guessing you would agree with this, that exposing ourselves to all kinds of visual art and even writing and books and music. Sure. It grows our brains. Yes, <laughs> okay. It does. 
Well, I was uh, saying we would have a little quick talk about this and then go into uh, the topic du jour, but thank you so much for going deep into this. I think these are incredible uh, thoughts and tips for my listeners. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I like to, I'll go deep on, on pretty much any topic in photography. You get me started. (laughs) Same, same. Mm -hmm. Okay. So automation with headshots and commercial work is the topic. So Mm. (laughs) uh, let's talk about that. What does that mean? What do you know about that? So, you know, uh, like I said, about about um, 70% or so of my annual work now is is headshots and commercial photography. And then I've really curated um, my family session clients down to those big wall portrait families, you know, so so that I get to spend more time with them and and um, and work with them a little bit more. But my headshot photography business has exploded in the last three or four years. And um, it caused me to have to sort of uh, refine my workflow so that I could manage the volume, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because a headshot client is very different than a family photography client. You know, with our family photography clients, we, you know, encourage them to come in for a consultation, um, you know, start kind of pre-selling at the consultation, help them with the clothing planning. You know, it's a very it's a very um, service-based uh, niche, but with the headshot clients, they really just need a headshot. And often it's very quickly that they need this headshot. And because some, their employer has told them they, oh, we need a new headshot for you for the website we're building. We need you to hurry up and get it. How soon can you have it? Or they are being asked by, you know, they're an entrepreneur and they're being asked by their marketing um, company, you know, we've got to get your head, you know, so it's always a very fast turnaround time and they don't have a lot of time for a lot of back and forth on the planning. So, um, when I started spending a ton of time emailing back and forth and on the phone, back and forth, just sort of explaining the pricing and how it works and when you'll come in and getting you on the schedule and the back, all those back and forth, it was just slowing down. What was a small, a much smaller sale individually, mm-hmm. um, than, you know, the family, you know, sessions, you know, so if we're doing a family session and we're going to get a, you know, we're working this hard towards a $5,000 sale, you know, we can't be putting in the same amount of upfront effort towards a $400 sale. Right. You know what I mean? Like that just doesn't, ooh, there's big money, like, what <laughs> that just doesn't, um, that just doesn't make sense from a business standpoint. So, mm-hmm. um, what I did is I set some boundaries, one of which was setting two days a week that are dedicated to headshots. So mm. on Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 10 o'clock in the morning um, until about four o'clock, I, I book back to back headshot sessions in one hour increments. Um, and I had set up a website where if anybody inquires through my website for headshots, for individual headshots, um, they're sent an automated uh, email back that sends them a link to a website where they can find out all the pricing information, um, what's included, um, example images, and allow themselves to book online. Um, so I use a company called Calendly.com, mm-hmm. uh, which you've, you have heard of because you use it as well. I yeah. Think, well, for this. I, I'm an Acuity fan. I oh, Acuity. Mm-hmm. I couldn't quite get the, um, well, it's just... Acuity made more sense for the way my brain works. Calendly sure. was, I was always like, now where do I go next? So, <laughs> well, yeah, so test those out. Both good. Both, Calendly. Both, both do the same things for online booking. Um, and then I take the, um, the payment up front 
for the session, which is a big, big tip here. Yeah. Um, headshot sessions don't work well when they just book it and they show up, even if they just book it and they, and you take a deposit, a small deposit, it works so much better if they pay the flat rate ahead of time. Um, they've got money, then they've got teeth in the game. They've got money invested. You get far fewer no-shows um, for, for things like that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so they book that online. They come in. I do the headshot session fairly quickly. Uh, they get two different looks. I shoot it all tethered. We go sit in the sales room. We review the images right then and there. And then uh, they get the images that come with the headshot package. Plus they uh, usually add on one to three additional images. So in a day, if I'm making an average of $400 a person and I'm shooting a person an hour from 10 to four and I do that for two days and it's very, very fast, um, it's very, it, it ends up being pretty lucrative for the month, a pretty big chunk of change for yeah, the month. Yeah, and, the work, and the, compared to all the time and the, and the work that goes into not planning, photographing, selling, and then producing fine wall portraits. Fine. Yes, that's a very different you're, game. You're not very. doing that. Now, are you selling prints to your clients? Very rarely, you know, sometimes they're, they need prints, but almost always they need, you know, digital file. Um, and they, and they need it retouched. And, um, and I deliver that digitally through a company called Pixie set, which you may have heard of. Okay. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's a, it's a fast session. It's a fast sale. It's a fast retouch. Cause I outsource all that retouching that comes in, um, over to retouch up. And, um, and I get it back like the next day and I deliver in one to three business days. It's just, you know, people end up posting their, their new Facebook profile pictures, these things are on Instagram, they tag me. And then I get a new slew of referral based, um, clients based on who just saw that person's headshot. So it's just this really nice cycle mm -hmm. of, of individual headshot work. And then additionally, I get booked frequently for, um, uh, companies, law firms and doctor's offices and architectural firms, you know, marketing agencies where they have me come in um, and photograph their entire team for headshots. And, you know, that frees up my um, Mondays and Thursdays typically end up being those days where I go on location if somebody needs me to. Mm -hmm. And so I stay pretty booked with all this stuff. And um, with the pandemic, I even started adding uh, composite group photos for corporate, uh, which ended up being a very very good move <laughs> for me um, because what it's created is um, a system where as companies get new employees, um, they have to come back to me to photograph not only that new employee, but then to add them back into the composite uh, so for the group. What is the composite? I have a so, so, you know, pre-pandemic, um, if I had a um, accounting firm of five to six people, let's say, um, we would have them all come into the studio and I would pose them all together, you know, standing maybe in a row or standing seated, some sort of arrangement, and we would get a group photo for the company. Um, and then every single time they had a uh, staffing change, either somebody new or somebody old, we'd have to reorganize a new shoot, have all those people come back in mm -hmm. and do a new group portrait. So when the pandemic happened and we had to be more, obviously much more careful about having people close quarters, no mask, shoulder to shoulder, it was just not a possibility. Um, so I was able to invite people to come in every 10 minutes from a company. So I, one of my bigger companies was a company of 25 that we did this with. And so we had them come in every 10 minutes into the studio. I photographed them individually, 
And then at the end of it, I composited a group photo of all of them standing together. Uh Um, And so now every time they have a staffing change, they send me that new employee. And then I charge them, of course, to do that new employee headshot, charge them for the session, and then also charge them to recomposite their, their group photo and deliver. So it's just, it creates kind of a cycle, but it also is something that's very convenient for the company because no longer do they have to coordinate the entire team together to reshoot because they got some new team members. Does that make sense? Yes. So mm-hmm. it's not that you're doing headshots and you're making a, a composite on a. No, it's like a three, a three quarter to full length. So you know, it looks like everyone's together standing mm-hmm. uh, with the background. Yeah. I, I was so sad to have film go the way of the dinosaur uh, for the most part. However, comma, there are some amazing things that we get to do because of digital photography. And that's one uh, that when I first saw, um, was it, was it Mark Brandis? Um, Somebody that was teaching where in the family portraits, they do the each family group and then composite that together. So let's say if you have a family of 30, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's the first time I ever saw that. And then I love how it's evolved into also commercial opportunities to create something that looks really cool and natural without all the complications you just mentioned. So, yeah, yeah. well, we, I even did a, um, a magazine cover. We, they, they were featuring the, the magazine I work for Tallahassee woman magazine. Um, they wanted to feature five women in politics, you know, public leaders uh, in, in Tallahassee, and they needed to be all together on this cover and it looked more dynamic than just having them stand in a row. Uh-huh. So we actually created a set and over two days photographed them in that sort of Vanity Fair style backstage look, you know, with the ladder and the different chairs and the different levels and things like that and uh-huh. photographed everybody individually and then composited that final image for the cover where um, we had to even, it looked so realistic for, for a lot of the readers, we had to make sure that there was a caption in there to make sure they understood that nobody had been photographed um, at, at the same time together so close because it was in the middle of the pandemic. Mm. <laughs> so, so we had to put captions everywhere online just to make sure that, because <laughs> people were worried and upset that these public leaders were, who were telling people to wear masks would be photographed without masks, you know, together. Uh-huh. We're like, no, 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 we did not do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, there's so much, um, there's so much you can do with that and um, make it uh, a good business move, like a, a profitable business move for, for your company. And everybody needs headshots and every company needs uh, group photos and, and headshots. So, I mean, if you're not, if it's not something that, that you're already doing in your business, I highly encourage you to add it because it's just something that sort of, you could dedicate a day to it a week and, yes. and really do well. Yes. Now there are some people who are teaching how to, have a headshot client turn into a thousands of dollars mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. sales where you encourage them to bring different outfits and you spend more time and, uh, you know, loved that idea. One of the things that kept me from doing executive portraits, I don't love the word headshot. It's mm-hmm. too, too, <laughs> too painful to think about being mm-hmm. shot. <laughs> um, is because it, I couldn't see how there would be the money in it. So I, I can, you know, I love that idea of, and I have booked 
executive portraits and then turn it into bigger sales. But I love, of course. I mm-hmm. love that automated, you know, if it's one day a week, this is when I do it and it's yeah. just set up and, and it just flows along and and yeah. I love, I, I agree with you. I think headshot, it does sound, you know, always, I can't, always have to clarify. It feels like when you say it's it, kind, but, but don't industry forget industry standard though. So, is it, well, it's consumer standard. So if yes. the consumer is Googling um, that they need, they, they, they typically don't look for executive portrait, even though we could put that all over our website. And so that it, it looks better when they hit the website, we, they're looking for headshot. Um, when they go into the Google machine. So you almost have to kind of lean into when it's something that's so commodity-based like like headshot or executive portraits or branding images, um, however you want to phrase it, you have to kind of lean into what the consumer calls it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So you just brought up the word I wanted to ask you about, which is branding photography. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you do any, um, you know, more extensive branding if someone's looking for a whole package and um you know for their book for their lecture tour for their interviews um is that something that you include in your repertoire and i if so what is the difference i keep it uh, there's not a whole lot of difference for me i keep it really simple as possible so everybody comes in um it's it's my sessions are called headshot headshot and branding sessions okay um so it's all one thing um, it does not mean that we're limited to a head and shoulders portrait, um, mm-hmm. which I'm specific about on my website about it for them. Um, so if they're coming in and they're like, I need, you know, some three quarter length and some full length. I want some of me sitting in a chair. I want some of me with my, you know, standing through, you know, with my arms folded and I want some close up headshots for me, that is all the same session. Cause there is nothing that I really need to change out in the studio to accommodate all of those needs. Okay. All they have to do is go throw on a different outfit if that's what they want to do. Um, I can still get a branding session like that done in that hour. And typically if that's what they're looking for, that those are the clients that are adding on a significant number of images. So you're getting those thousand dollar sales or higher, you know, you know, mm-hmm. two thousand, three thousand dollar sales, you're getting those sales out of the order session. I try and spend the least amount of time in shooting because I'm trying to be efficient with the shooting, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to shoot as fast as we can to get all those things done and then leave myself enough room in the sales room so that we can sit there and deliberate and add on images as we need to. And uh, typically I can get that done in about an hour. Now, if somebody says, oh, I, you know, I need, I, I feel like I'm going to need a whole day. Well, then I talk to them about what it is, how many images they're trying to get at the end, because the last thing you want to do is do this based on, well, this is my opinion and it may, I may not be shared with others, probably, maybe, but mm-hmm. I know that I can get, if somebody is here to purchase 10 images, I can get those 10 images with variety in that hour. I don't need to work for them for three hours to, st- to make that same sale of right. 10 images. You know what I mean? So if I manage client expectations on the front end and let them know that we're going to get these, we don't need three hours. I don't need to shoot 400 images to get these 10 images on the end. Does that make sense? Then right. we're just trying to be as efficient as we can with our time. So I don't sell sessions based on the hour, um, you know, based on two hours with me or one hour with me. Um, and this is just how it, how it's happened to work out well for me in, the, in, in my studio. It's not mm-hmm. for everybody, right. <laughs> you know, but um, time, my time is valuable and the client's time is valuable. So I find that these executives or entrepreneurs or people who need these branding images, they appreciate getting something done quickly. 
right. um, and having a quality product for it. Yep. Yep. I can see, I can see all of that being um, like, I was just doing a little calculation. And if somebody just did 10 shot, 10 headshots a week over a day or two mm-hmm. and a $400 average mm-hmm. and uh, 40, uh, 10 every week for 10 months so that we have time to play. That's like $160,000 in sales mm-hmm. for, you know, so, like for really not laborious work. I mean, right. it really isn't, you know, right. you're not, you're not chasing children around. You're not changing sets, but, you know, because in my studio, like I said, I work with these dark grays and and whites and with my lights, I can change the tone value of all these things. And because you're, I'm shooting them in a certain way. If the client says, well, I really was hoping for a purple background. Great. I can drop a purple background in Mm -hmm. in post, Mm -hmm. you know, we can shoot on gray. And because of the way I'm shooting, things can easily be cut out. Backgrounds can be dropped in. I, you know, I've stopped investing in tons and tons of background options when, um, you know, you can overlay a color over a charcoal gray background and get a very rich red, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, so why, <laughs> you know, why, why go outside of the spectrum of gray when all the stuff can be done in post and you can charge for it. If a client yeah. says, I need um, all these images with transparent backgrounds. Great. We'll charge a individual per image fee for a transparent background version. You know, there's all these little add-ons that you can make here in this world. And it's, um, it's a very busy world. <laughs> where everybody needs one. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Especially more lately. And I like also the thought of, because you've got this, the setup and the lighting, it would probably not be hard to train somebody that loves photography and has a good eye and good with people to, to come in, to, to do part of it for you. Um, one of my, one of my clients, um, we started five years ago and she's created an empire doing basically doing that with pets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And her studio now her main studio has like 50 sessions a month. And then she just opened a second location and, and she's got a team doing this really nice work and selling wall portraits to people. But it, what, what I'm, imagining from what you just shared is that it could be repeatable if you wanted to you only do it once a week but you have somebody do other days or like this kind of sky's the limit it feels like yeah yeah well that's a system like this definitely on the horizon for me as I get busier and and as um, more is required of me with PPA in the next couple of years as well. So it's certainly, Mm -hmm. certainly something uh, I am on the lookout for someone for, because I do think that I could bring somebody in, like you said. Yeah. She's at the point where she doesn't even have to go into work ever if she doesn't want to. How nice for her. (laughs) Yeah. But then she realized, um, oh, I like going in there. I like meeting my team. Um, It's cool to have you know, my kids, I have uh, some care of someone else for a little while. And then, and then, uh, you know, I get to enjoy my family the maximum. So yeah, anything's possible. Um, I, we're just about out of time. So I have two questions for you. Okay. So the one is, how do we get in touch with you? How do we find your show? 
there are going to be links in the show notes, but um, what's the easiest way and just reminder about your show? Sure. Yeah. So you guys uh, may, may know or may not know. I also have a podcast uh, with Mary Fitz Taylor and it's called Get Your Shoe Together as, as you mentioned on the top of the show. And uh, you can find uh, our podcast episodes at getyourshoetogether.com or you can search Get Your Shoe Together anywhere where podcasts are, are played and stream. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get in touch with me. Um, I am on Instagram at, at Shakira, S-H-E-K-I-R-A. Um, you can follow me there and communicate with me there. If you like, you can also hit me up on my website, which is kiradairyberry.com. I love it. Um, do you have a little, is she Kira? I, I had to take a little, uh, a little beat on that to see that it's she mm-hmm. and your name is Kira. So that's yeah, well, my name is actually Shakira, so that's oh, how it's it? spelled. Oh. Yeah, that's how it's spelled, and oh. I just Kira is a is a nickname. It's a beautiful name. Thank you. And what's the dairy berry? Is that British? What did that come from? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, actually, um, so you know, I married my husband, who was a dairy berry, and um, but it is uh, a name that originated in the U.S., so it was likely um, Dewberry or some variation of that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Irish, British. Um, and then it was changed when it came over. So all the dairy berries that you may have encountered in the U S are all related in oh. some form, fashion. Oh. Yep. It's a U.S. based, uh, last name. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my maiden name is Nowlin, N-O-W-L-I-N, mm-hmm. which most people's brains correct that to Nolan, but there's just a handful of Nowlins and it was O'Neillan in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I bet we are. There's not a lot of us. <laughs> okay, so my last question is either what last thing would you like to sh- share for people to take away? Or is there something we haven't covered that you'd be like, oh, I wanted to share <laughs> that with them? So here's your chance. Uh, well, no, I think, you know, if, if you've listened this far <laughs> to me rattle on, I think my major theme these days is working smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I've done so many things in my studio and, and now encourage other photographers to do the same. I, I am somebody who loves to experiment with light and loves to play with art and different concepts. And it was very hard for me to focus and to get a lighting set up that was consistent and to, um, to scale back on, on backgrounds and, and props and to develop the system that is so refined now that it's so efficient that I can get so much more done. And I'm telling you, you might be resistant to the idea as I was in the beginning, but I'm, I'm telling you photographer listener, it will make you so much more money and make you so much more happy about the time that you have for yourself to do those projects that you like to do and to do things for yourself. So I encourage you to consider it. I am a big fan of work harder, not smarter. So um, I love that you you shared those ideas. So thank you, Carrie, Kira. <laughs> I'm okay. sure I'm not alone in that, right? Because no, you're Barry, not the Barry, only one. Just want to be Carrie Dairy Berry. Don, you and Don Dixon. Don Dixon loves to call me Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Kira, Kira, like Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like my brain. Um, I, I so appreciate you jumping on this call at this busy time of year and. Um, 
getting to know you and I'm looking forward to a time when we can meet in person and safely hug and all those things. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I'll never do. All right. So yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really love that conversation and it's so fun. I never know specifically what kind of good wisdom and ideas will come out when I have these conversations. And I'm sure you don't either when you decide to listen. And that was really fun. So I'm going to do my little wrap up in just a sec. Um, as I said, at the beginning of the show, I love to teach. I love to uh, judge print competitions. And of course, I love to coach and support you if you're wanting to grow your business or deal with some of those mindset issues or yeah, buts or whatever's holding you back from your dreams, help get you clear on those. So just reach out. You can go to lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I, and uh, send me a little message and we can set up a quick chat. All right, let's see. I've got so many good notes. So we talked about the modern family portrait and how she defined that is there's minimalism involved. So there's not a bunch of props. There's not um, like the backgrounds are simple. She sticks with black, charcoal, medium gray or white, uh, keeping the monochromatic grayscale uh, kind of the overall look of the portrait. And then she uses their personalities to um, create the excitement in a portrait. Um, she said she starts with having them kind of posed traditionally, and then she has them break out of it. Her lighting, I love asking her a little more about lighting. She uses a large umbrella with a 72 inch parabolic when she's got big groups and families, uh, 48 inch octobox. Um, what did she say? Um, sometimes a beauty dish or a hard kicker light, especially for some of her commercial work. And then I love this tip, the neutral clothing, but think of texture, uh, cable knits, linen, velvets, um, tweeds, those things can add interest without being a distraction. And we talked about her sales and how she, um, she determines kind of what people are wanting, but she also plants seeds and shares stories of, of like her family and other people that have had portraits in their home and the benefit of that. I love that. And in the studio shooting tethered, I can see how, especially executive portraits and the modern family portrait, having it tethered to a television can have a lot of advantages and also is another opportunity to keep selling as you're going. Um, she recommended a book called Physiognomy by Mark Sel Seliger, S-E-L-I-G-E-R. He's a um, celebrity and commercial portrait photographer. So I'm going to go look that up. I don't know about you. And then 
we took a deep dive into talking about headshots and how we can automate that to make a nice chunk of change easily. And so um, like automated, having them book directly on uh, scheduling like Calendly or Acuity, pay up front and um, have certain days be, these are the days that I do headshots and, um, you know, pack those in an hour at a time and, and be efficient. So I love all of that. And um, I'm sure you got a lot out of it as well. And I just want to send you a great big global hug all around the world, the seven the 70 countries and counting. And um, that's it for now. So bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.